Through complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We talked about a lot of things last week, as Sarah and I always do, but the thing that I'm most excited about is the washer and dryer that we have on order. And apparently, I'm not the only one out there. Sarah said we had some feedback. You did. You had a text in. We've had a Speed Queen washer and dryer for about 10 years after buying expensive junk. Yep. I highly recommend them. Old school and dependable. Ah, see... You guys are the best listeners ever. We're an information station. Yeah. So, you know, whether you need a car repair or, <laughs> you know, just information on washers and dryers, we got you. We got you. That's right. And really kind of where this stemmed from was our discussion on quality. Yeah. And Sarah, I would like to know whether you feel like um, like any of the the widgets that you buy or use in your daily life, which, you know, could be that Stanley cup over there, which is a very high quality cup. Are you happy with the quality of most of the things that you um, consume or purchase? No, <laughs> definitely not, especially when it comes to technology. Mm, but okay. I'm kind of I'm getting back to just kind of old school yes. roots. I don't yep. know if you've noticed this about me, yep. but that's why I moved out into <clears throat> the country is because I wanted to just kind of not rely on things mm-hmm. as much. I just uh, for my my dryer in the summertime, I have an actual clothesline. So that's pretty dependable. It is very <laughs> dependable. And I don't know whether I'm just the weird one. You can tell me uh, if that is. But we hung most of our clothes out to dry as a kid. That was just a normal thing back then. You don't see it as much now, and especially in town, but out in the country, you still see it. A, a uh, bath towel or your sheets that have been hung dry on the line. There's a smell that is just like summer clean. Yes. And that is what I grew up with, honestly. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what really kind of got us, and I realize this is automotive show, but just bear with us, folks, is the quality, the older I get, the more, it's not that I don't care about the money. I absolutely do. I work for a living just like all of you out there. And I don't have a, uh, I'm not independently wealthy. We'll put it that way. Um but you buy once, cry once. And a big part of A1 Custom Car Care or automotive repair or me, and and obviously I don't want to speak for Sarah, but I think you know quality is more important than quantity or price anymore because I'm so tired of buying stuff that's new that the quality is terrible right out of the box. And what really kind of got me on my soapbox here, and I'll try and, you know, mitigate this as much as I can for the show today, is I had bought, and Stacy and I were talking over the weekend, the first set of washers and dryers when, when her and I met came from Sears. And it was okay, I guess. And then the more I got into looking at it, I thought I wanted a steam sanitary function to get a good quality wash out of my washer and dryer. So... I was having some like mildewy towel smell and I'm like, man, this just, I can't do it. I won't do it. So I went up here to big box store Menards and I like Menards actually a lot. And I bought a nice set of Whirlpools from them and still very disappointed, extremely disappointed. And they're less than probably two years old at this point. I would say closer to probably a year and a half. And I'm just tired of the junk 
And so, you know, when we have people come in for service, I know, you know, people probably think I'm just maybe unreasonable on the standards of what it is I expect during a automotive repair, but it's the same standards that I'm talking about here where I'm just so tired of poor quality stuff from overseas that you just consume and throw away or you use it or install it uh, on a customer's car and it's it's worse than the bad part you just took off. So that's where the washing machine discussion kind of came up. And this is a really good segue into another text message that we got. Uh, This person said, my wife's car has been pronounced unsafe to drive. Mm. I've started looking at vehicles in our preferred price range, which is 15,000 and under. And I'm seeing a lot of Kias, Hyundai, Mm -hmm. Jeep and cheap Fords. So things like Edge, Escapes, Mm -hmm. Effusions. Are any of these realistically worth bringing in to have them inspected? We just need something reliable. Mm -hmm. She drives less than 500 miles most months. Are most of these just, quote, throw away cars i'll tell you what um that's probably one of the best well-written questions you and i have had into the show and unfortunately you're hitting the nail on the head um there are good cheap cars out there for less than 15 grand but you are going to have to be committed to having somebody whether it's us or somebody else check the car out really well Um, Hyundai and Kia, I'm actually a pretty big Hyundai and Kia fan, but the last probably five years, maybe a little bit longer, Hyundai and Kia is really struggling on some of their quality control, and it's really questioning, you know, the Hyundai and Kia reliability. And if you poll a lot of technicians right now, Hyundai and Kia techs are busier than a one-armed paper hanger because they're having some catastrophic failures under warranty, still having supply chain issues, part availability. Prior to that, and, and I'll even put my money where our mouth is, uh, Stacy and I have got uh, you know several kids driving, her two older kids. They both have been driving. Um, both of them have gone through high school. And Seth, her oldest boy, has almost made it through college. And both of them, one drives a Kia and one drives a Hyundai, Santa Fe and a, uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking because I'm on the radio here, I guess. Uh, The other Kia SUV out there, uh, Sorento, there we go. So have I had to do some work to keep them reliable? Yeah, I definitely have. Have they been good, low-budget cars that, you know, we have probably maybe, say, five grand a piece in them, and we've probably put maybe another three to five grand in parts and repairs in them, but compared to the kids having to deal with a car payment or, or, you know, us having to foot a bill on an additional car payment, it's been a perfect car for them to be point A to point B, school, work, you know, all the the normal stuff that a young person does. And now, you know, we have one that is, you know, up in Rolla most of the time, staying in the dorm or the, you know, the, the housing that he has up there. So when I have problems with it, it's even a bigger deal because I got to go to Rolla to take care of it or swap him out vehicles. But I'm still a proponent of those. But those are older models and they're not direct injected their port injection, which if you're not a car person, just bear with me, that matters on dependability. That's that new technology that Sarah and I talk about quite often that really hasn't been worked out to the to the degree that it should. So Hyundai and Kia, 
there's some options out there. You're going to need to be picky on which one you go with. Some of the cheaper disposable, or I think they use throwaway cars, some of the Fords out there. I'm a big Ford person, but uh, there is some quality control there. I would not really look at a Flex if you've got a Ford Flex out there. Not a bad vehicle, but a lot of them have an internally chain-driven water pump, and the power takeoff all-wheel drive systems are plagued with problems. So that probably wouldn't be my first choice uh, if you're looking dependability-wise. The Focus or a Fusion, I think, was one of them. I like the Fusion out of most of the platforms. Some of the later model Fusions and Ford Escapes have what they call an open deck cylinder head design, and I'm nerding out just a little bit, but this is important. The late model four-cylinder Ford engines, they're having internal engine problems really bad, so I wouldn't recommend that. The electronic power steering on those is kind of plagued with a, a pattern of problems, so probably wouldn't go that route either. If I had a $15,000 budget, what would I do? Well, I would be committed to spending my money as wisely as possible, and that's going to take legwork on your end. I personally would really get to hot and heavy looking for a older used Toyota or older used Honda. Um, those would probably be the most value for your money. Now, to, to work with a $15,000 budget, that's a decent budget. You can get a decent used car, as well as a lot of the used car prices are coming down. So you're in the right time. The last three plus four years really would have been difficult to work with that budget. The repossession market is, is really getting pretty saturated. So personally what your list of cars there with few exceptions those are mostly throwaway or disposable cars you're going to have to get with a service center whether it's ours or somebody you've got a relationship with and i would really be patient and stick to mainly the honda and toyota i would not buy general motors right now in under a half ton platform um, and some of the Fords are questionable. So Sarah and I need to step into a break. You're listening to 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. You got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Uh, I guess we're talking kind of in the, uh, the used car market. Sarah, at some point, your little one is going to be driving. Don't say that. <laughs> Why would you say that? Well, because I am now officially the old man in the in the studio here. I have uh, several that are coming up to drive. And to me, they were just like, you know, two and three years old not that long ago. And all of a sudden they're 15 and 17 and 18 and 21. So, uh, you know, you blink a little bit and all of a sudden like your kids are grown up. I got about 13 years, so... Enjoy it while you have it. I, I sincerely, I know, you know, all the old folks are always like, well, you know, enjoy your youth or, you know, get as much as you can out of the time. 
it's just gone before you know it. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to bum you out here. You are just a little bit. Oh no. So do you think they're going to have flying cars by the time you're in the market for? I don't know. So the the Jetsons, they thought we'd have flying cars. I don't don't remember what year that was supposed to be based in though. I think it was the early twenties. I think like, you know, 2020 ish somewhere in there, I think is what they had forecast. You know, if it was on the Simpsons, it would have happened. They have forecasted. That's right. A tremendous amount of things. So I feel like they have showcased flying cars, but I don't know what date they had it you either. Know, that's a good question. If anybody knows it out it there, we uh, we would sure love to know. But it, it it goes to a whole different ball game when you know it's one thing for me to be in like the market for a used vehicle because if it breaks down, yeah, you know I can walk. I, <laughs> I'm not too good to walk. I've done it before and I'll probably do it again. But when you're dealing with a loved one or, or a child. And as as well as an un, inexperienced, um, you know, driver, there's a lot of things that, you know, I take for granted that I just intuitively know because I've been driving forever. But you pass that off, you know, to a new driver and it's a whole different ballgame. The, the little idiosyncrasies of driving or, you know, the muscle memory of, well, you just you just turn your turn signal on without even thinking about it anymore. Or hopefully you do. If you're one of those people that don't use the turn signals, you and I need to chat because, come on, bro, you can do a better job. But recently, uh, to kind of dovetail onto our, our text in, uh, Stacy and I were looking to upgrade or move to a different vehicle of course we have our small brenly who's three getting ready to turn four uh some of you that know me or or been following the show uh brenly is a special needs child and she has uh she's made us put in a tremendous amount of effort to um to keep her essentially she's a trisomy 13 child and anybody that Probably doesn't know what that is, because I didn't know it either. Um, That is a genetic disorder of your 13th chromosome. And so uh, I had no idea until we ended up essentially at uh, the day that she was uh, came into this world that there was anything wrong. So it was quite a scramble for us to deal with children's hospitals and, and all that stuff. And she had had and still has a tremendous amount of medical equipment that we carry and, and utilize with us quite often. So the first year, we really didn't take her out of the home very much. Even the second year, um, third year, it it got to the point where um, we'd overcome a lot of the scary part of, you know, potentially losing our child. So I share all that in a positive, by the way. This isn't a negative by any means. And so the last few years, our primary, um, like, family vehicles have been two, uh, and they're kind of on both ends of the spectrum, uh, we had a 03 Ford Excursion with a 7.3 turbo diesel, which I dearly, dearly loved. And we ended up uh, trading out into the one-ton Duramax that I have talked about here this last year because we needed something with a little bit uh, different accommodations in order to utilize our camper, which we use for medical transport quite often. Now, nobody rides in the camper while we're transporting anything, by the way, just so I don't have anybody out there wondering about that. Uh, It's mainly so we have a sterile environment to stay in when we go to the children's hospital. And so I needed a dually in order to pull the camper that we have. The second vehicle was and is a, 
Honda Element, which if anybody knows what an excursion looks like and then what an element looks like, we got way two ends of that spectrum. And they've both been amazing. They really have been without fail as far as I can think. I have done repairs to both of them, but they've been absolutely reliable. And I ended up uh, because of the condition and care that the excursion had had, I had a gentleman drive all the way from Oklahoma City to pick it up and drive it all the way back with no problems. Now, that vehicle had 447,000 miles on it when we sold it and was still very dependable. And it had a tremendous amount of what I would consider rehab work or reconditioning work done to it to make it still a dependable vehicle at 400 plus thousand miles. So as well as a desirable one that we were able to sell it. Um, and have somebody that would commute that far for that vehicle. So that was kind of cool. Uh, we transitioned, like I said, into a one-ton diesel power truck. The other one, Stacy and I are in the midst of transitioning. So we're I'm basically kind of bringing you along with my theory of operation. Um, and so we had been looking, and I wanted a larger SUV, not necessarily excursion size, but we ended up going with the Lincoln Navigator. Now, I will own some fact that the navigators are not the most dependable vehicle out there. They're loosely based on an F-150 frame. Um, they're, they're not exactly an F-150. They have a different transmission in them, which we'll see, time will tell. I'm doing a bunch of preventative maintenance on our new one, as well as when we went to purchase it and we purchased it, purchased it from a uh, used car dealer down in Carthage. Guy was great. Um, very transparent, very just real. Didn't have the slick willy uh, to borrow uh, some of the roofing terms here locally. Um, he didn't have that feel. He was very candid. I did uh, very quickly identify that it had timing chain issues, which is a very expensive repair. So him and I got, came to an agreement on it and I purchased the vehicle. Now, there's a lot of you out there probably being like, well, why in the world would you buy a Navigator? Because you just told me they're plagued with problems. We bought it and negotiated it with that in mind. So as a ASE certified master technician here in the Springfield area for the last 20 plus years or so now, I needed to buy it right up front. And what I mean by that is I needed to negotiate it and basically be able to buy it to be able to put a significant amount of financial investment before we started driving it. Now, for a lot of folks, that's not necessarily how they approach the car buying process. And what happens is they don't buy it right up front. They overpay for it. And then they don't have the means to be able to dump, you know, say another five grand to make it a good vehicle. Okay. And I'm sharing that with you because this is my normal approach to purchasing a vehicle. I uh, had a, a friend, basically, of A1 Custom that needed a vehicle for one of their kids. Now, we went through several before we ended up landing on one, and it really took the patience to make sure that we bought it right up front. And then before it even went on the road and the, the new driver got into it, we did several thousand dollars worth of work to it. The reason we were able to do that is because of the intent or the purchase of the vehicle that there was still some room in there to be able to fix it. Had we given top dollar for the vehicle and then had to put several thousand dollars in it, we would have really been upside down on it. So in the last two instances that I've essentially kind of played some role um, or spent my own money at this point in time, 
That is the intent. So you have to be willing to walk away of something that you really think is cool. You know, maybe it's got cool wheels, maybe the paint's good, window tint, styling, stance. Fill in whatever your adjective is that makes a vehicle cool and not throw all that away, but put it in the back seat to negotiating and really doing your due diligence on the front side and that will make your experience with that car so much better. Unfortunately, what I see happen a lot is people go out and they they either do bring me a few different pre-buys and I'm like, no, this is junk. No, this is junk. No, this is junk. And they get sick of hearing that. And then they just buy something and then they bring it in. And it's like, oh, well, if I'd have known that or, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda at this point, I wouldn't have done that. But now we're committed. They own the vehicle. Now we got to figure out where to come up with potentially thousands of dollars in order to make this vehicle right again. So I share all that with you because I, I identify exactly with the folks texting in that, hey, you know, this is my budget. This is what we're looking for. I need it to be dependable or reliable. I need to believe in this vehicle. And in today's day and age, that's more difficult now than I think it's ever been. When you look at like, a, you know, anywhere from mid 90s, on up into mid 2000s even 2010 those vehicles were very dependable like you look at older vehicles yeah maybe they don't have all the new styling or the new technology but you look at a toyota corolla camry honda accord honda civic you look at those, and I hate showcasing a foreign-made um, company, but honestly, they're about the most dependable bang for your buck out there. Not saying some of the domestics we, we can't do something with. We can. But more and more, unfortunately, it's the Asian vehicles that are dominating the market. And it's not all the manufacturer's fault, but a big part of it, you know, hey, we could have done better job. The government uh, cafe standards, which is your fuel economy and emissions regulations, have really made it difficult. So you have to be very, very careful. I see them on Marketplace, too. I'll see a 2010, 2015, 2018 needs an engine, needs a transmission. Beautiful vehicle, but they're junk out of the gate. And I don't want you guys tying your money up into that. So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to turn this to a new topic as soon as we come back from the break. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin. We're going to shift gears here pretty good. We're halfway through the show. Sarah, are you wanting winter to stick around? No. No? (laughs) No. No hesitation? No. I hate winter. I'm excited about, I think daylight savings time's coming up here before too long. It's not too far out. It's March 10th. I'm looking forward to that. It's got to be getting close. You know, the... The getting off work and it being dark on the way home, it's kind of a bummer deal. Yep. Sunday, March 10th. So that's not that far out. No, just a couple weeks. I'll take it. Uh, I got big plans for this spring here. I hope everybody else out there does. Um, I'm really good at starting the garden. Not super great at following through and then the weeds take it over. And I'm like, <laughs> why do I do that every year? Uh, if I remember right, you had some produce last year. Yeah. So. I'm assuming you're probably going to do something similar this year. Yeah, I have a green thumb, so very lucky. Well done. Well done. I, um, how do I put this? Uh, I basically just like force into submission. I'm not all that talented as a gardener. Uh, 
maybe not all that nurturing either, come to think of it. But, uh, you know, I'm really good at running equipment and, and tilling and, and planting. It's the follow through of the harvest that I'm not all that great about. If you will come and till my <laughs> little garden patch, I will share my produce with all you. All right. That sounds like all a deal. All right. Deal. You heard it here first. That's right. That's right. Now, this is a Sarah and uh, Ryan deal only. This isn't everybody. I'm not, I'm not getting into the garden tilling business. Uh, I don't know. If you made it lucrative enough, maybe we could have A1 custom garden Maybe. Tilling. I hate tilling. <laughs> you know, it is a... It is a job, but when it's all tilled up, it's very rewarding, satisfying, however you want to look at it. It's just a kick butt, like, yeah, and it aerates the soil, and it's that preparation that pays off for the harvest part of it, I guess, in my mind. And I've taken some stuff. Actually, Kyle Wyatt, years ago, I uh, attended an event he was a speaker at. I can't think of it. I've talked about it. Dr. Lang, I think it was his friend that put it on. Um, they had a guy that was on there, and I can't think of his name, but he talked about lasagna gardening. Have you ever done anything with that? No. Basically, you take different carbon sources, whether it's uh, you know cl- grass clippings. Uh, I think they did something with uh, tree mulch and uh, trimmings, different things. And instead of basically... It's a no-till garden as well. So you dig a hole, and then you just put layers and layers of carbon on huh. there. And so grass clippings and straw and, and different things uh, was what he talked about. And I've done that, and I've had some success with it. I've also done raised beds over the years. I bring all this up because this is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Now, I share and keep things real with you guys a lot that... You know, I, I talk about maintenance and, and preparation quite a bit. And I think in today's world, that's even more important. Now, I'm not perfect at it by no means. So don't think this is a holier than thou discussion here. But if you are a person, and that's, I guess, the thing that I love about KSGF listeners, and I'm, I'm not trying to patronize you guys out there, but you guys get it. Anytime, and I don't go to as many live events as I probably should, but anytime I'm with uh, you know, a bunch of KSGF listeners. They're informed people. They're prepared people for the most part. They're very knowledgeable. And a lot of times I learn things just from being in that room. And I'm so thankful to at least have a small part of that network. And when I see you all in the shops, you know, a lot of it is, hey, I want to take care of my typically second largest investment that I have. You know, when I, if you think about your house, most of the time that's your biggest investment. Your car is your second biggest, and then if you have anything else, boat, four-wheeler, equipment, whatever, you know, fill in the blank, that's going to be something that is important to you, and you're not looking at it, uh, not to reference our text in earlier, but a disposable item. You know, I talk about vehicles a lot on here, and you can really kind of copy and paste some of this mindset to... Most everything. It doesn't just have to be vehicles. Obviously, Sarah and I have a car talk show here. But, you know, if I'm going to yield a good garden or yield uh, many faithful years out of XYZ, whether it's a car, four-wheel, or whatever, I had better be doing a little bit to take care of that. So, A, I get as much use out of it as possible. But, B, if I do trade it in down the road, I can recoup some of my investment and put it towards either a bigger, better version, newer version, there's still value left at the end, okay? So if I put in all the work, you know, up front in my garden 
and I follow through, I'm going to have a product at the end of the tunnel that either I consume, I sell, I gift to loved ones, friends, and family, or I don't. And at the end of the summer, when I should have a harvest, I've got a harvest of weeds that aren't good for anything. And so that's, I guess, where the mindset of quality comes in, not to reference our washer and dryer discussion, but I'm just really trying to build my thought process mind behind, hey, if I'm going to do this, either I do it or I don't. Let your no be no and your yes be yes, basically. If I say, hey, I'm gardening this year, I had better follow through to the end of it. Otherwise, it was an absolute waste of money and time. And I don't know about you guys, but I sure don't have enough money. (laughs) But time is so more important now than it ever was. And I hope this is ringing a bell with somebody out there. You know, I've talked a lot in nauseam that, you know, your small engines, you know, until you use them, especially seasonal items, um, whether it's a generator that you've had sitting for a rainy day, if you don't maintain it when you need it, it's not going to work. And I've done that, but thankfully as a, you know, decades and decades mechanic, technician, whatever floats your boat, I can address those items when they come up, but I'm always mad at myself that, hey, I didn't clean the fuel out. I didn't, you know, maybe I bought ethanol fuel and I didn't put premium in it because I was in a pinch. I haven't changed the oil. The carburetor's all junked up, whatever the case may be. And, And I'm just using this as an example. This is more of a mindset discussion, I think, than anything. You know, life will teach you things, hopefully your whole life. Let's learn from those and not recreate the same problems all the time. You know, Sarah and I have talked about our our, um, EDC carry that, you know, you typically carry on your person or in your vehicle. That has grown from life experience. I don't go anywhere without a cordless or 12-volt driven air compressor. Well, it's not just because I love air compressors. Don't get me wrong. I do like them. But it's because I've been in situations that, hey, I didn't have the right tool for the job. So now not only do I carry a cordless or 12-volt air compressor, the kids do. And some of my family, I've gifted them to to them for different birthdays or Christmases over the years. And it's because of those experiences that, hey, I got myself out of a jam or I was in a jam and didn't have the right tool. And I don't ever want that to happen again. So having the right mindset is extremely important, even if you don't have the right tool for the job. The quitter or victim mentality in today's day and age is running rampant. But there's a silver lining to all this. The folks that don't have that victim mentality or have this, uh, you know, curl up in a fetal position when, when life gets tough, when they don't have that and they decide, hey, you know, we're going to tighten up the laces on our boots and go to work. Those people get to write their own ticket. Um, You know, millennials are all getting older and being more of a dominant portion of the work environment. You and I are doing business and commerce with them every day. I am at the tail end or the beginning, if you will, of the millennial generation. And I'm dang proud of that. And I see a lot of other folks in different industries that are dominating because they are not the norm victim millennial. They're the ones getting things done for you and I when we have to do business with them. So we're going to step into a break. I want you to think about that while we're at the break. We're going to wrap the show up 
during our next segment. We'll be right back after this. Through complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin. We got just a little bit of the show left. Uh, we're going to, I think, talk about some spring maintenance stuff. But Sarah, you had a story over there that sounds interesting. I do have a story. This is from Car and Driver. I'm not even going to read the title to I you. I see the uh, the um, image, uh-huh. and I actually heard about this story oh, now did that you? I see it. Th- okay. This is hilarious. Yes. It is, it's a pretty interesting one. Yeah. So a tractor trailer full of brand new Chevy Corvettes worth over $1.25 million was allegedly stolen by an ex-convict looking for a a ride home in Arizona on Thursday. 23-year-old Isaiah Walker <laughs> of Lawton, Oklahoma. So just kind of... Right, well done, Isaiah. Yeah, right across the state line there. He was booked on Thursday on multiple felony charges oh, for man. the alleged theft. Charges include robbery, 11 counts of theft of means of transportation, and felony theft per police. The truck was parked at the Wilcox Loves Truck Stop in Wilcox, Arizona, when Walker began to strike up a conversation with the truck driver. When the driver attempted to climb back into the cab of his truck, Walker grabbed the driver and threw him to the ground. At that point, Walker then got into the truck, locked the doors, and drove it out of the parking lot. Now, a deputy from the I believe it's called Cochise County Sheriff's Department. They caught up to the stolen truck and attempted to pull it over. However, Walker was not willing to give up his score so easily. He began to swerve and force other cars off the roadway. However, eventually the truck turned down a road and then stopped. Walker was taken into custody at the scene and questioned after uh, he was read his Miranda rights. He admitted to stealing the truck. He claimed that the 10 Corvettes that were on board had nothing to do with it. Hmm. He stated that he was just released from prison and he just needed a ride home. I'm extremely proud of the officer and deputies involved in this investigation, said Wilcox Police Chief Dale Hadfield. The deputy and officer showed great restraint and patience in bringing a serious crime to a peaceful resolution, Mm -hmm. all while keeping the property of others from being damaged. The stolen vehicles were safely recovered without damage and was released to the driver so he could continue his delivery. Now for Walker, the good news is that he is not going to need to worry about a ride Mm -hmm. home again for a while, thanks to a fresh batch of felony charges. Now, for the future owners of these Corvettes, the good news is that despite the unplanned detour, the cars were undamaged and should be delivered within a few days. Wow. <laughs> that, that's that's my... Even when I heard about this, uh, you know, I was just like, really, dude? You just did your time. I know. And you thought and that was a good idea. You didn't learn nothing. You know, it just boggles the mind. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, I just, what's wrong with people? And unfortunately, this is becoming more and more and more, or maybe just the notoriety of some of this craziness. You had better watch your P's and Q's when you're out and about. You know, we talk about situational awareness quite often. And even at a truck stop, You know, you wouldn't, I mean, that's a pretty high profile carjacking, if you will, to, you know, it's not like, oh, I've got a red F-150 and, you know, there's a million other red F-150s out there. You're in a car hauler hauling, I forget what the number was, multiple Corvettes in the car hauler and you, you dip out with the whole car hauler. I mean, you talk about sticking out like a sore thumb. 
Not to mention, pretty much all of those rigs now are GPS located all the time. Just like, you must have really, really wanted to go back to prison. And I'd say that probably did what uh, you were wanting, because he's probably going back for a while. And I just don't understand that. I really, really don't. Like, it should be a punishment. So maybe it's so uh, nice in there that, you know, free cable and... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, you know, four four hots and a cot, I guess, basically. Like, come on, man. There's so much more to life than that, than being put back in a box again. It just boggles my mind. But the fact that the Corvettes were not a motivator for him really is like, come on, bro. Uh, we We all know better than that. I just, I don't know. I mean, even if they were, what did he expect to yeah, do? what was he going to do with them? Uh, who knows? It, People are interesting. It is, and, and they're getting more interesting. I I, I don't want to speculate here, but maybe the old boy wasn't quite clear-minded here. I mean, I think that's an easy uh, leap to make there. And, you know, he's going to get plenty of time to sit and think about his Grand Theft Auto. So he was out for, you know, maybe 24 hours yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like a day. Yeah. And you're right back in, you know, in a box. Like, it just boggles, you know, even the, like the catalytic converter thieves. We talked about that quite a bit. It's, it's really kind of calmed down a little bit. But you're going to put in all this effort and, and really risk of jacking somebody's car up, crawling under there with a sawzall, stealing somebody's catalytic converter, stealing their wheels, stealing whatever, just thieves in general. You put in all that, all that effort, and then a lot of times when they steal it, they sell it for almost nothing, which is really, and, and I shouldn't let that grind my gears, but I do. Like, I know how much, you know, tools or equipment or whatever costs. I pay for it just like everybody else. And then for a thief to steal it and then sell it for, you know, 20 bucks when it was a thousand dollar, whatever. It's like, dude, A, why in the world are you stealing? And B, if you're going to put out of that effort, just get a job. Like it doesn't take that much to get a, a job. You don't have to get a hard job. I mean, there's people out there looking for people that are literally just show up. And instead of that, you're going to go out at all wee hours of the night and steal things and then sell them for pennies. Just get a job. I mean, it just makes no sense. And some of these thieves are talented. And I'm not, please don't misconstrue that, that I'm praising them. Like some of the crazy ideas they come up with to steal or embezzle or whatever, it's like, wow. Yeah, if they could actually put that towards yes. the workforce. That's I'm, what I'm, Yeah, I understand what yeah, you're saying. It's like, like you know, you're clearly, well, this guy's maybe not the, the sharpest crayon in the, <laughs> in, the, in the box, but some of these thieves are brilliant people. And instead of putting that towards good, they put it towards being a dirtbag. And stealing from typically hard-earned, hard-working people that had to just really work for that. You know, like my log splitter. If it come up missing, I would be pretty bummed out. I've had that log splitter probably 15 years or maybe a little longer. It's not the nicest ever, but it's a pretty decent one. If somebody were to steal that, I don't use it all the time. But I I worked hard to pay for that thing. It's been paid for, obviously, since I got it, essentially. Um, if I lost that piece of equipment and had to replace it, I'd have to trade that many more hours of work to buy another log splitter. 
And if that person's smart enough to, you know, do whatever, you know, and I'm not just talking about, you know, pull up and, and drive off with it, they could contribute to somebody's company in a positive way, not steal from somebody's company and produce something and have some pride. Maybe that's the problem here is that there's not enough pride or maybe pride has become a negative connotation. It's fine to be a good, hardworking person, man or woman. I don't care. We need all of them. There are some amazing folks out there that are squandering. And I think it's because they don't have any personal pride. Why that is, I'm not quite sure. But pride's not a bad thing. Prideful, boastful. Okay, there, you know, we're, we're, there is a line there, obviously. But having pride in yourself and your career and your trade or your skill set or just who in the heck you are when you get out of bed in the morning, we need a better, stronger community. And, and I know there's a lot of you out there that are that already. And I hope you see where I'm coming from with this kind of thought process or discussion. A big part of the reason that A1 Custom Car Care has the standards that we do is because we take pride in our work. We don't offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty on most of our repairs because we're not confident in it. We're darn confident in those repairs, and I put in a lot of effort along with an amazing amount of our team and staff to make sure that we're putting the very best product out there possible because I am so sick of this disposable society that we're in right now where it's cheaper and, and, and encouraged to buy a replacement than it is to fix a crafted component. And you have about two minutes, okay. and that's a good segue to talk yeah. about spring maintenance. So as we go into the spring, um, any of your like systems have been stressed pretty good going through winter. So I'm sure some of you in there had batteries that went bad, no heat that you needed to take care of. Uh, hopefully defrost functions, all that stuff through winter is pretty much kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's over. We, you know, we could get a chance freak cold snap or snowstorm before spring gets here, but we're getting close. So what do I do in the spring to kind of get things ready? Well, I am very adamant about tires. I don't want to beat a dead horse on that, but I'm going to check and inflate all the tires. I do that pretty much all the time. That's not just spring related. But I go through and I really look at my fluid condition and levels, and I usually have a good idea that, hey, the fluid level is here, and if it's not there anymore, then we got a problem. So I'm going to make sure that we're in good shape there. And then the thing that I overlook, or I think a lot of people do, is your windshield and wiper condition. Um, we have been a rain guard distributor for many years. I've been very pleased with those. I run them on my personal stuff, Stacy's vehicle, the kids, etc. They have been an excellent contour wiper blade for us. And going into the rainy season, most people, me included, don't really think about that until I'm in a terrible rainstorm and the wipers are doing a crappy job. And then I'm not in a rainstorm anymore, so I forget about it until the next rainstorm. Maybe I'm the only person out there that does this, but it happens frequently. So what I have gone to is I actually uh, make it a priority that in the spring, when I come in for oil change services um, on any of the vehicles, mine, the kids, Stacy's, etc., 
they pretty much get a set of wiper blades. I think that is money ahead to make sure that when they're in that torrential unexpected downpour at night, they have the very best wipers as possible. And then I also dose with a concentrate of Rain-X to my washer fluid. So every time I utilize my washer fluid, I get a new treatment of Rain-X. I'm a big, big Rain-X proponent. Um, I don't normally stock that at the shop, but if you asked, I'm sure they could get you some and we could get you treated and in good shape. All right. Well, believe it or not, we are officially out of show. Time flies when you're having fun. If you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment for us, feel free to text our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.